0: Candle Creek Day 1 We finally arrived at Candle Creek As I'm writing Mother is with us Helping her unpack her bags Ash is in the kitchen And I in the little corner On the porch of our rented cabin I'll have to check later To make sure Ash didn't start Making a food stash in her room Mother called this a vacation She said people were kind, the food was good, and the service was all right. Dust is ecstatic about being here. Ash is quiet about it, but I can tell she's happy too. And, in all honesty, I'm a bit excited. Mother said she would take us to all her favorite places here. She never really talks about her childhood much. And now... We're in the same town she grew up in. As Snow paused, putting the pen tip to her mouth and thought, a gust whipped by, gently tearing the autumn leaves off of the trees and sending a chill up her spine. Shaking off a shiver, Snow huffed out of breath, bringing her pen back down. I do wish we had decided to come in the summer, though. I should be heading inside. I'll write more later. Tucking the pen behind her ear, Snow snapped her journal shut. She reached beside her for the bag hanging on her rocking chair, pulling it open to drop the leather-bound book inside. With that done, Snow heaved herself out of the chair. She took a moment to stretch her arms above her head, groaning as she felt something pop. Rolling her shoulders, she turned, grabbing her bag off the chair's edge and securing it at her side. Shivering as another gust blew by, Snow grabbed the front door's handle, bracing her other hand on the door itself. With a grunt, she turned the handle while simultaneously lifting the door as high as she could, causing it to swing back into the house with a creak loud enough to wake the dead. Shaking her head, Snow stepped inside, gently tossing the door closed behind her with another loud creak. At the very least... She was reassured that dust couldn't drag Ash out for another impromptu midnight camping trip. The doors were too damn loud for them to sneak out. In the dark of night, barely anything could be seen outside the cabin's windows. However, the soft thumps of footsteps on a wooden floor could still be heard. Snow, tired from the long car trip, hadn't even made it to her room. She had dozed off on the patched-up couch, waking around the early, early morning, with bleary eyes and a growling stomach. Huh. She had slept for dinner, hadn't she? Rubbing her eyes, Snow rolled off the couch, walking on unsteady legs to her mother's room. Mother tended to stay up later than what was deemed healthy, And this wouldn't be the first or last time one of her daughters knocked on her door for a midnight snack. I'm starving, Snow grumbled under her breath. Holding her rumbling stomach, she dragged her feet towards her mother's room. Mother? Snow called out again. Silence was the only thing that greeted her. Slowly, Snow opened the bedroom door and peered inside, only to find it empty the bed neatly made, and the clothes still folded within the open suitcase. It was as if no one had even been in the room, which was strange. Mother? Snow called out, franticness starting to color her voice. She circled back to the kitchen, quickly pulling back a curtain and peering out the windows. But she didn't see anything different in the pitch-black night. Snow's fingers began twitching as her breath quickened. She could almost feel the color draining from her face. Ash! Snow called out frantically, rushing to the room her younger sisters were sharing. Maybe she's just with Ash and Dust. She thought desperately to herself. Maybe I'm overthinking this, and Mother is safe with my sisters. Maybe this is all a bad dream. Maybe... Maybe... Candle Creek, day two. Mother is gone. We can't find her. Candle Creek, day four. Mother is still missing. past couple days have been quiet. We went to the person who mother rented the cabin from a man named Hop Alexson. He manages the tavern in town, the flickering firefly, as well as the inn on the tavern's second floor. The sheriff came in. He looked around the house. He looked through the woods. Nothing. He found nothing. Snow slowed to a stop, unable to continue. With trembling hands, she set her pencil down to wipe at her face. To her right, in the bed beside the desk she sat at, her little sisters slept fitfully, curled into each other with arms wrapped tight around the other. With a gasp that sounded suspiciously like a sob, Snow lowered her hand from her face. She picked up her pencil, bringing it back to the paper. Hopson, we can see at the cabin as long as we need to. I don't understand his motivations. I'm thankful, nevertheless. The sheriff said to be prepared for the worst, just in case. I really should smacked him, given that he said that in front of Ash and Dust. Snow fidgeted with a pencil, sending a glance over her sleeping sister's before returning to her writing. Ash barely sleeps anymore. She's not with me, she's with dust. And if she's not with dust, then she's with me again. She refuses to let us out of her sight. I know she's afraid we might disappear, too. Even still, this isn't healthy for her. I convinced her to take a melatonin earlier. Ash barely argued, and didn't even spit it out afterwards. If I wasn't so worried, I'd be dumbstruck that she didn't put up a fight. Meanwhile, Dust... I'm worried that Dust might be in denial. She keeps trying to leave to go see the rest of town, and she hasn't really asked any questions about what happened. No attitude changes, no loss of appetite. <laughs> I'm going to keep an eye on her in case anything changes and it hits her out of the blue. Snow spun the pencil, fingers twirling lazily to keep it in motion, a frown on her face. She sighed. I don't know what's going to happen now. You have to be careful, be cautious. Mother isn't here to bail us out with excuses if we get caught. Candle Creek, Day 7 A storm blew through today while I was heading to the library. Apparently, it couldn't wait three minutes it would have taken me to actually get in the library. And it decided to rain on me while I was wearing a white shirt. Thank God for Cargain. I walked into the library, as soaked and pissed as ash after a bath. I barely got a look at the other people inside before a girl threw her jacket at me and dragged me to the bathroom. She helped me dry off from the storm, using her own jacket as a towel. I learned that my savior in a fleecy jacket's name was Loom, and that the older boy out in the main room, who had sworn like a sailor and covered his eyes as soon as he saw me, was her older brother. Fred. Apparently the two ran a makeshift tailor shop out of an empty storage room in the library. She asked if I was new in town, and I said yes. She asked if I was here with any family, and I said yes. Then she asked if I knew anyone in Candle Creek. That was a no. Loom pulled a highlighter out of the ponytail in her hair, grabbing my offered arm. Her grin triumphant. She scribbled down a phone number that I immediately knew was hers. She said that now I do. I giggled at her enthusiasm. and She laughed at my giggle and it was the most beautiful sound I've ever heard. She took me by the hand to lead me back to the main room. I followed her every step. I think I would have followed her off the cliff just as long as she kept holding my hand. The ladies behind the library desk, Rosalie and Madeline, weren't willing to part with their box of tea bags. But they did let us use the banged-up coffee machine in the stack room. Effine has never tasted as sweet as it did right then, with me smiling down at Liam's number. I didn't have it in me to tell her that I don't own a phone. Candle Creek. Day 9. No. 10. I think it's past midnight. I would like to preface this entire entry with the fact that Dust and Ash are idiots and are both lucky they're even alive. Apparently, when I was stuck in the library, Ash and Dust got stormed into the flickering firefly, where they spent the rest of the thunderstorm. Ash saw a marked up map on the community bulletin board asked top what it was and got told that the markers showed dangerous areas just in case someone decided to go into the forest for a stroll so guess what dust decided to do last night take a guess think about our hyperactive cookie jar breaking so smart and so damn stupid little sister and take a wild fucking guess She went to the nearest marked area, and she dragged Ash along, since Ash still refuses to let us out of her sight. I love my sisters. I really do. That does not stop me from wanting to shake them like a cocktail mixer. They are so smart, and so damn dumb. Anyway, back to last night. I wasn't there for the beginning, so I got most of this from Ash. As far as she described it, the area truly didn't seem all that different. The ground was still muddy, the breeze was still cold, and the leaves were still too soggy to crunch properly. It was only after she and Dust had lingered that Ash felt it, as she called it. She couldn't seem to fully put it into words starting and stopping over and over. The most concrete description I got from her was her saying that it felt like something was thinning. That it felt like the force that kept her tethered here was waning. She said it felt like she could just slip away. That was when I found them. I had heard the front door opening and closing. I was right the first day door is too damn loud for them to sneak out. I almost left right after them, but something stopped me before I reached the door. I don't know if it was paranoia or a desire to not worry Hop just in case. I grabbed the house phone and took a minute or two to figure it out. I left a message for Hop, grabbed my good rain boots, and ran out the door after Ash and Dust as soon as I laid my eyes on them, I screamed. Not because of them, but because of the thing behind them. I couldn't see any eyes, just a too large mouth and claws. I forgot about all of my anger. All I felt was terror. It had close range. I had adrenaline. I don't remember crossing the clearing. I don't remember pulling ash back and jumping in front of dust. The only thing I really remember was the line of pain across my cheek. I think I passed out after that. I woke up to ringing in my ears and gauze on my face. Bleary eyes staring up at an unfamiliar ceiling. I'm in a bed right now is ah, sitting on my left and dust on my right. They both look unharmed. Thank God. According to dust, Loom found us and brought us here. Where here is, I don't know. And what happened to the monster? As Snow finished the dot on her question mark, the door swung open, revealing a familiar face. Sighing, Hop strode into the room, closely followed by Fred and a tired-looking loom. Rubbing his face, Hop sat on the end of the bed, shoulders dropping when he saw Snow's open eyes. Quietly, Fred and Loom found their way to a spot underneath the window, sitting on the carpeted floor. There was silence, stretching on and on until Hop let out a breath. And slowly... He began to talk. Dear Mother Venna, the veil. That's what Ash felt last night. That's the reason behind the dangerous areas on the map. Pop tried to explain it last night. As much as he knew. And I'll try my best to write it down well, like you would have told it. As far back as written. There have been two separate planes. A human plane and a non-human plane. The scenery, the setting, the background, it's the same across both. The only difference is the inhabitants. As far back as written, the veil has separated the planes. It keeps members of one plane from crossing to another. But Candle Creek... Ash said last night it felt like something was thinning. That was the veil. She felt thin, as apparently it's wont to, to do in Candle Creek. Those areas on the map, they encompass known disappearances across the last 40, 50 years? The veil takes what it can when it's thinning." It took that creature from its home, dropping it into ours. It took however many people over the years. It tried to take ash. The veil only takes. It never gives. Those missing have never been seen again. As far as anyone can tell, it's a one-way trip. Hop got quiet around this park. For some reason, he offered for me, ash, and dust to stay at the inn for now, just in case we were worried. When I asked why, he pulled out a pocket map and unfolded it, showing me that it was marked the same way as the map on the bulletin board. He asked me to find the cabin we were staying at. I wish I didn't. I wish I didn't see I wish I didn't know. Our cabin is right dead in a marker. I could barely breathe. The words one-way trip just kept circling, circling through my mind. The veil takes people. It nearly took ash. And it did take you. And as far as anyone knows, my mother... We can't bring you back. Hop and Loom left afterwards. The ash and dust just sat in silence. Even as I write this, I don't know what to think. But I believe I know what I have to do. I know. We don't have an official family motto. If you were to ask Dust, she would say talk shit, get hit. If you ask Ash, you'll get loose lips, sink ships. I'm afraid mine isn't as catchy. Find what is impossible and do it. Everyone says that bringing someone back from the veil is impossible. I don't care. I don't think Ash and Dust do either. We're going to find you, Mother. And we're going to bring you home. No matter what it takes. With love from your eldest, Snow.